Smoking Snake Podcast, the only English language podcast that covers the Brazilian League, the Brasileirao. Uh, I am your host, Peter, joined, as always, by the other host of this podcast, Enric. Enric, how are you? Pretty good, Peter. Even more happy to be here and enjoy this last week of Brasileirao and the league is almost finished. How are you feeling about it? Yeah, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling uh, happy. I feel like it's been a long a long ride and I'm excited to get to the the World Cup. Um, but I'm also feeling pretty nostalgic already about it. It's been a great season. We've seen a lot of incredible talent and and incredible storylines, lots of quality and also lots of uh, maybe the opposite of quality in terms of uh, some of the teams in the division this year. Uh, but it's been a great season and um, uh, it'll be nice to uh, for the players to have a break, um, and then we'll get ready to do it all again early next year for the state leagues. Um, just want to mention before we jump in, Brazilian squad was officially announced. Uh, we are going to go ahead and cover that on probably next week's podcast. Um, we'll we'll um, put a bow on the uh, Brasileirao season then, and uh, we'll talk about. Uh, the Salasau at that point. But for now, we're going to cover weeks 36 and 37 uh, of the Brasileirao. Um, and we're going to start off with uh, Fluminense and Sao Paulo, two teams um, that uh, have a lot of quality. And they have two players, uh, one on each side, that uh, attract a lot of attention. Herman, Cal uh, Herman Cano for Fluminense and uh, Jonathan Caleri for uh, Sao Paulo. Enric, what did you see between those two players and uh, who got the better? This was a very amazing uh, game to watch. Two great teams, as you mentioned, Peter, coming up against each other and playing with Fluminense, hoping to reach that second spot, and Sao Paulo trying to get as many points as possible in order to reach the Copa Libertadores for next season. And it was actually Sao Paulo, the away side, who scored the first goal. And what a hit that was by Luciano, a first-time touch right outside the box. And Felipe or Fabio couldn't do anything to stop that. And then after that, it was actually in the beginning of the second half, I believe, Herman Cano scoring for Fluminense. Not one, not two, but actually three goals, a perfect hat-trick to give Fluminense the three points. Uh, proved in this match how good he's been for the home side all season yeah he's been amazing but i want to just go back to that uh that that luciano goal um incredible goal first time hit uh like you mentioned and his 10th of the season they uh he and jonathan caleri both now in double digits in the rest of the round uh really impressive to have two strikers uh firing on all cylinders as they are um, and and scoring tons and tons of goals. He was also, I don't know if you noticed this, he was leaning back kind of, and you see so often when the players are leaning back and, and following through the ball that the ball just goes into, you know, row, row Z. 
um, not Rosette, uh, because we are in the U.S. No, um, but uh, but Luciano was leaning back quite a bit and still just absolutely scored an absolute golazo. Uh, great to see him doing well. But yeah, Herman Cano takes over from there. Um, and I thought it was interesting. Um, they were pretty good in uh, in in the first half. Herman Cano had a bunch of opportunities, and and they were stopped by Felipe Alves, but. Uh, Fernando Denis um, made some substitutions at halftime. He wasn't happy with his team, and he brings on Natan and uh, the youngster, Mateus Martins. Um, and uh, Mateus Martins, immediately involved, um, sets up Cano uh, on the first goal uh, and, and the second. And then on the third goal, the hat-trick goal for Herman Cano, uh, it, the, the play... Uh, goes through Natan, through Gonzo, and then back into Herman Cano, uh, who gets the hat trick. So, really, really um, great management there from uh, from from the Fluminense manager, um, and you can see why Fernando Diniz is is a is a choice uh, that a lot of people are wanting to see uh, on the national team. So, um, great to see him doing well in Fluminense. Looking like a team that's gonna gonna be pushing for a title next year. Um, so, all in all, great match. Fluminense three, Sao Paulo one. Um, On to a not so great match. Santos one, Avaí one. Uh, a five game or excuse me, eight game losing streak uh, by Avaí uh, is finally broken, uh, despite them being relegated already. Um, Enric, pretty dire game. Um, what do you think about this one? Um, and uh, what do you think about overall, um, you know, Santos's closer closing of this season? Well, Santos had a great start with Marcos Leonardo being pushed in the opponent's box, and we got awarded a penalty, which was then scored by him. So a great start for us, but we are really unable to keep that advantage because in the 51st minute, it was Ranielli who scored the equalizer for Avaí, and a game which might have gone different if it was played in Villa Belmiro. I believe they played in Arena Barueri, which is probably the Portuguese stadium. So that's probably where Santos is going to play during next season, and hopefully we get more wins in that stadium compared to what we did in this match because really it's a game that we should have won. Avaí is a struggling side. As we've seen, we, they've lost the previous five matches prior to this match and it's a team that's just staying in the relegation zone without any hope of surviving. Yeah, yeah, they are, they are history as far as um, the first division goes. Um, and it was really disappointing that we couldn't get um, a win against them. Um, uh, I think, though, um, uh, Portuguesa plays in um, a different arena. But your point still stands that um, despite I, I think it's great that they're playing in, in Sao Paulo uh, proper. Um, but uh, but yeah, you could you could definitely appreciate the the Villa Belmiro crowd um in a game like this that might be urging them on to 
to victory. Um, but uh, but yeah, nothing doing and and Santos really frustrating. Uh, as they wind down the season, I don't think they have a ton to play for. Uh, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but they uh, they they did com- uh, confirm their place in Sudamericana, um, which they had a big chance of doing. But uh, but yeah, not a ton to play for, and it seems like they're they're on winter break already. So pretty unfortunate. But um, what can you do? Um, also, staying in Sao Paulo, Corinthians defeat Sierra, another relegation fodder side, uh, by just the, the one goal. Um, and it is the former Santos man, Yuri Alberto, getting it done late, late, late. Huh, Enric? Yes, he did. And with that 90th minute uh, goal that he scored, he was able to give Corinthians the three points at a match that was played in their home stadium and they had so many chances to score. The game might have ended 1-0, 2-0 or 3 or 4-0 in favor of Corinthians, but those chances weren't uh, finished properly. And on the other side, Serra was mostly playing on counterattacks, but still unable to get any goal from this match. As you mentioned, Yuri Alberto got his goal. Prior to that, uh, I believe it was Yuri and uh, Roger Getz who hit the crossbar two times. So imagine if they wouldn't have scored that late uh, winner, how disappointing of a game this would have been. And with the ball uh, being deflected to go in, it was a half save by Joao Ricardo and Yuri gets it done and scores for Corinthians. Yeah, a really messy goal, but uh, they get the job done finally. uh, Roger Gads, yeah, brought on um, and and immediately starts making making chances. The the crossbar from the free kick, of course, was the big one. But um, but Corinthians do get it done. I also wanted to go back. I think in the early stage of this one, uh, Sierra had a great chance uh, to to score an absolute just uh, cannon from from Vina. Um, looked like it was going to nestle just perfectly in, in the, uh, in, like, you know, in the corner of the net. Um, and uh, Casio just gets fingertips on it. What a save. I mean, what a keeper this guy is. He's an absolute club legend and uh, he continues to perform even at his, his, uh, uh, his older age here uh, just getting fingertips and the game could have been a lot different and a lot more frustrating uh, if Sierra had gotten out in front. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, Corinthians getting all three points and uh, cutting it pretty close, but uh, they'll be happy with that. Um, uh, on the uh, uh, other side, we're going to have to cut that. Right. Sorry, I, I'm fucking up. Um, okay. All right, moving on now to uh, Internacional and uh, Atletico Paranaense. Uh, Atletico continue to slide after their defeat in the Copa Libertadores. They feel that they're pretty comfortable in a Libertadores spot, and there wasn't a lot of motivation, um, it seems, uh, on their part. And, and they drop uh, another game to Internacional. Enric, what did you see in this one? A game where both teams had a hard time scoring a goal. 
and you could see with the subs that both the previous Brazil coaches made the same thing as for Inter, same thing for Tético Paranaense with Scolari. The, they replaced a lot of their strikers in order to have any more chances of scoring. And Inter actually was able to do so with Pedro Enrique, who scores after a bad heading clearance from the Atletico player. And Mauricio ensures the win for, the, for Inter four minutes actually after that. A goal assisted by Alan Patrique and a 2-0 win, which certainly helps Inter stay in the fight zone for a second or or third spot in the Brasileiro, so they're going to need those three points. And on the other side, it's Atletico Paranaense. Uh, after their win against Goiás last week, three still unable to get any points from a big team like Inter. The same thing as they did when they missed the match against Flamengo in the final. Yeah, yeah, it was it was disappointing, but again, I'm just I'm questioning some of the motivation, and of course they're away from home, um, and that always makes it hard in the Brazilian league. One thing that you can say about Atletico is that uh, they've got a star on their hands in in uh, Vitor Roque. Um, he looked lively during the game. didn't didn't have a ton to show for it, but looked lively, looked energetic, and I think he's going to be a future star. Uh, you mentioned uh, Pedro Henrique and Mauricio um, getting a few goals. Um, and I wanted to ask you about um, the red card. Yes. Uh, but... Helena getting the red um, deserved. I think it's an obvious yeah. answer. Yeah, I would think it deserved. And just like we saw in the game against Flamengo, where the person got sent off, uh, the same thing happens here. Whenever Federico Pranense is losing in, in a big match, they tend to get very angry and lose it. And the tackle kind of reminds me of the Miguel de Jong red card in 2010 against Xabi Alonso in the final. It was a similar high boot which ended right in the opponent's chest and it's very bad in my opinion that should be not only one or two matches suspended but probably the rest of the league yeah yeah it was it was pretty blatant and uh, he looked pretty obviously frustrated with the season and how the match was going but he also I think he was trying to bring down the ball and had a pretty pretty sloppy first touch there and it was about to be a turnover and he, he just he kept going and and yeah the boot got him uh got the opposing player and and uh he was sent to the showers early so pretty deserved um Atletico and uh Internacional both teams that I think um will be having their eyes on high finishes uh next year um but uh but for now Inter take uh, all three points and uh, again winning uh, two nothing against uh, the Furacao, the Hurricanes. Um, uh, moving on to a more surprising result, you could say, in, in, at least on paper. Uh, Korshiba beating Flamengo just the one goal in it. Um, Enric, what's happened here? Uh, Flamengo, our powerhouse. Um, surely this is some sort of fluke. Yeah, I like how you mentioned that because it's not that Flamengo has been playing bad, but it's uh, the selections that uh, Dorival Jr. has been making ever since that uh, final against Atletico Paranaense. He's been resting a lot of uh, his players like Gabi 
Pedro and many others. So trying to use as many substitutions as possible. And just like in the game that they lost last week against Corinthians in Maracanã, they pretty much uh, did so again against Coitiba, although playing away. He was the only, uh, the one and only goal in the games uh, scored from a penalty by Aleph Manga. And Flamengo has been playing with this secondary type team, as I mentioned earlier, and probably any point that they get is just an advantage for them because they're pretty much qualified for Libertadores and have nothing to play for until the end of the season. Yeah, absolutely. They, they, um, of course, are the the champions of Libertadores, and and as such, they will be receiving a uh, a placement in the competition next year. Um, but it is great to see some of the young guns like Mateus França and uh, even Joao Gomez, who I I think we may have been um, over maybe not overlooking, but not maybe not talking about as much as he deserved. Uh, the defensive midfielder was actually in um, Chiche's. Um, uh, you know, like 50 man uh, roster, I guess you could say, or before he narrowed it down to the 26, he's really high quality player, only 21 years of age. So um, great to see him, of course, making um, uh, his presence known and they don't get the win, but I think he's, he's definitely going to be one for the future. Um, also wanted to mention, I really like the, the red on red, the red shirts and the red shorts, that they wore thought that looks cool um uh, but what wasn't cool was diego the guy that's supposed to be uh you know their their gray hair their their voice of reason and stability and and experience gives away a pen yeah like you said Aleph manga stuffs it in past hugo and and uh Korachiba. really 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 important win for them they had quite the relegation scare and uh, they are going to be safe. So congrats to them. They get another year in the top division. And uh, Alaf Manga, and we'll talk about him a little later, but he's uh, he's in some fine form. <clears throat> so from Flamengo to Palmeiras, uh, Cuiaba won, Palmeiras won. Another result that might be a little bit of a head-scratcher on paper uh, Cuiaba, of course, still, as we record this, desperate to avoid relegation. It's still possible. Um, Palmeiras, of course, aren't even crowned champions. Enric, what's going on here? This looks like a mismatch, um, but again, a surprising result. Yeah, you did mention how Cuiaba is fighting hard to uh, avoid that relegation zone. And honestly, I was expecting them to win this match, not because... Uh, Palmeiras is a bad team. They're one of the best teams in Brazil, but the fact that they won the championship and pretty much just like Flamengo, they've been using uh, secondary type players. So after the first goal scored by Jonathan Cafu, uh, it was uh, Lopez and Palmeiras side who finds the equalizer. And just like always, Abel Ferreira finds a way to avoid losing Peter, right? Yeah. Yep. As usual, this guy, I mean, I, I it's it's like it's like when you're playing FIFA and you swear they swear up and down that there's no scripting, there's no scripting, but yet the the computer always scores at the 90th minute. It makes no sense. Yeah, exactly. I agree with you because no matter how 
how much the teams tried to take points off Palmeiras, although they took two points off in this game, they still can get the three and help themselves to not only avoid relegation, but potentially even fight for a continental spot. Yeah. Um, Cuiabá, they, they look good in this game. They were playing at home, the crowd, of course, very much behind them. Andre Luis looked great um, and made a fool out of Gustavo Gomez, I think it was, um, on the first goal before um, before Jonathan Cafu uh, cashed in the rebound. And we've got a shout out. We've got to talk about Walter or Walter the Wall um, making making several big, big time saves, including um, two on um, Jose Manuel Lopez, um, who I just nicknamed, I guess his nickname is Flaco, Skinny Lopez. So uh, Flaco Lopez getting denied a couple times by Walter the Wall. Um, and uh, eventually, uh, Palmeiras would break through, um, and uh, it would be that that man, Jose Manuel Lopez, Flaco Lopez, um, whose third time is finally the charm, and and he uh, squeaks out the the equalizer for um, for Palmeiras in the 75th minute. So uh, they avoid a little bit of an embarrassing defeat there, um, thanks to Lopez, um, one of their more recent signings as well. So. Uh, Abel Ferreira again doing what he does best um, and, and and just avoiding defeat. All right, so now let's move on to uh, Belo Horizonte, where Atletico Mineiro lost to Botafogo two nothing. Um, Enric, surprising result or no? Yes, definitely a surprising result uh, because in a match, if you were really watching this match live, you would see Atletico Mineiro attacking so many times and having chances to score in the first half. And they actually did uh, with Vargas, I believe, but still the, the goal was offside. And moving on to the second half, it was Botafogo who find who found the first goal with Victor Sa and then Chiquinho Soares scoring his second. Uh, very important points for Botafogo, who are in the top 10 in the league currently, but very bad in the other side for the Galos. We keep saying it every week, poor Galos. Then once again, we saw in this match how they were not able to take the three points and fight for that sixth or seventh spot for Libertadores. Yep. Yeah. Gallo uh, continue to be less than impressive and, and, and pretty, pretty inconsistent. Uh, just a long, long way away from that, that championship winning team last year. Um, but you're absolutely right. They dominated the first half and, and you'd think that they would get a breakthrough. Uh, Kano had that, had that post um, that he hit, um, and of course, Vargas actually got the ball in the net, but of course it was offsides, um, super borderline too. Uh, do you think that maybe in another match that would have been called a good goal? I just, sometimes I, sometimes I wonder about the VAR consistency and we'll talk about that later in the Santos game as well. But, uh, what do you think? Do you think most Brazilian VAR refs would, would call that, or is that kind of a 50, 50? It's probably a 50-50, but it depends on the VAR, whoever the referee is in that room. 
the longer the thing is the longer it takes for them to judge and decide uh, whether a play is offside or not the more chances are it's going to get disallowed and that's what we saw in this match yeah yeah for sure and i not that i had a problem with it but i just was thinking the whole time you know i could see this going the other way in a different match um but yeah victor saw with the assist from chiquinho then chiquinho uh gets on the score sheet He's been excellent for them. We'll talk about him later, unfortunately. And about another guy, uh, Lucas Fernandes, uh, the attacking midfielder who admittedly was a little bit off my radar, but he had a stellar two games here. Um, and Botafogo, they're looking really, really good. It's unfortunate the season's ending right now because they're in some fine form and they have still got uh, a chance to make it to the uh, Libertadores if things go right for them. And uh, and they, of course, do their bit, too. So um, they they close week 36 off uh, with a win. Um, and it's over. Uh, it's over Gallo. So um, we're going to move on now uh, to week 37. This was played midweek. Uh, which is why we're covering both match weeks here today. And we'll start off with Internacional grabbing another win away from home uh, against Sao Paulo. Um, two good sides here, Enric, and uh, two sides with maybe, again, not the most, you know, to play with. Uh, Sao Paulo, of course, stretching and, and trying to get into that Libertadores zone. Um, what did you think about this one? Yeah, two back-to-back -back, uh, tough matches for Sao Paulo. Last week, they played away against Fluminense. And now this week, they had a better chance because they were playing at home against an Inter side. But as we saw from Inter in the previous uh, match, they were able to score one goal with Mauricio, one who unfortunately gave them the three points. Bad news for Sao Paulo as they're continuing to disappoint uh, in fact, they need they need to win as many games as possible. And with this loss, especially at home, they created many opinions about um, the coach's future. So probably we're going to see some news in Sao Paulo in the coming weeks. We know that Brazil teams like to take the coach away right before the end of the league. So we never know what can happen. Hopefully, I would like Rogério Saini to stay, but anything really can happen in Brazil. Yeah, it would. it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with Rogério Senni. Of course, an absolute club legend, um, at, you know, playing as a keeper who, who could put the paw in the back of the net uh, from free kicks. He was their free kick specialist. And he's done a, a decent job at times with Sao Paulo. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's going to be, it's always kind of, painful and awkward seeing those club legends managing um that uh, that have to leave the club that they're a legend at so um but uh but yeah it was it was a, a game that had some action in it um the Caleri back heel of course um that that Vitao blocked um would have been a sensational goal it was going in um but uh Vitao putting an end to that and then of course the Igor Gomez Golasso that wasn't um Gomez went bar down hit the uh hit the crossbar and and, and uh it's uh was an incredible goal uh from the youngster 
and VAR ruled it out. Um, uh, you had Nestor uh, push someone in the box that allowed Jonathan Caleri to end up crossing that ball that would find its way to Igor Gomes, and um, and they called it back. So uh, really unfortunate for for Sao Paulo, um, but uh, but that's just the way it goes sometimes. And and honestly, I think the push, I think that that was the right call to to make. So. Um, again, unfortunate for them, like you said, two pretty tough fixtures there, and uh, it looks like they're they're going to be uh, destined for a Sudamericana spot. Um, uh, we'll move on to the team that they played last week, uh, Fluminense, beating up on Goyas, um, although it took quite a while. Um, what did you see in this one? I think this one was probably a lot more straightforward than the last few matches we've talked about. Yeah, in this match, you said that it took too long for Fluminense to find the first goal. And it was a match between not only two great sides, but also two go great goal scorers with Roman Cano for Fluminense and Pedro Raul for Goyas. And in this match, you just saw who had the better game because Herman Cano was able to score and Pedro not able to find the net. You could say that he's playing with a weaker side, but still. And that goal that he scored in the 78th really opened up the game for Fluminense as they found another goal with Alan and then Araujo in the 90th. And I believe that the red card that uh, Goyas player received changed the game completely because after that, that's when we saw more goals being scored. And really unfortunate for Guayas, not able to get any point in this match. And Fluminense is still fighting hard for that second spot in the league. Yeah, yep. You hit the nail on the head. The red card did change it. Although, I just wanted to point out also, uh, Fernando Denise again, making the changes at halftime. Mateus Martins coming on. Um, and he would influence uh, two of the later goals. Um, and, and also Natan coming on, I think, in the uh, 58th-ish minute. Um, and uh, just before uh, Belmanchi uh, got uh, got expelled from the pitch. Um, Kano, uh, on the, the game-winning goal, uh, Mateus Martins' really deep cross that, that found Kano's head. Um, I think it was maybe 78th minute, um, maybe 80th minute. And then they added two more goals. Uh, and again, Mateus, Mar uh, Mateus Martins adding another assist. Um, so uh, really great substitution work there by Fernando Diniz once again. Um, and that Fluminense team, so exciting to watch, so attacking. Um, and they showed you what they could do in just 10 minutes there. Uh, towards the end of the game. Um, so Goyas going um, going down in flames there in the match, although of course they are um, very, very much safe and they'll, they'll be they'll be playing in Brazilians Syria next year and um, they might even be uh, finding themselves in the Sudamericana if things go well for them uh, in the final match week. So uh, we can move on. Uh, to Coritiba and Corinthians, uh, we kind of uh, alluded to the fact that we'd be talking about Aleph Manga again tonight. Um, and here's your opportunity, Enric. 
what'd you see from him? Yeah, what a player. He really popped off in the last game against Flamengo. And then once again, now against Corinthians, being able to score not only one, but two goals, although the second goal came from a penalty. So it's been a really great performance by him. And although Corinthians was able to find the equalizer twice with uh, Duqueiroz and then Yuri Alberto scoring, still they were not able to take the three points from Coritiba. And Vitor Pereira, the Corinthians coach, also got sent off. And I wonder who will be managing uh, Corinthians next year because his performances haven't been really good this season, especially when it comes to the big matches. And as we saw in the game against uh, Ciara, Yuri Alberto saves Corinthians once again with a great goal assisted by none other than Reds. And Coachiba really outplayed Corinthians. And as I said earlier, unable to take the three points from them which would have helped the league. Yeah, I, you know, I'm convinced. I know we have a small percentage of our listenership coming to us from Brazil. I swear Roger Guedes is listening to us. He heard us talking shit. Um, and, uh, and now he's playing like an absolute superstar. Not that he he's never been. Of course, he is a superstar, but he had a little drop in form. And, and now he's just absolutely tearing it up. Uh, great assist. He, he coming on again um, later in the game and assisting that that second Yuri goal that uh, that would eventually uh, tie the match. Um, yeah, Alaf Manga, especially that first goal. Wow, what a run, huh? That was a, a really great individual goal and super early in the game. And I don't think Corinthians were were expecting that at all. Um, and uh, yeah, it's great to see a player on a side that probably doesn't get a lot of attention, um, but um, really, really great, uh, great goal. And that's three goals in, in two matches. So fair play to him and uh, fair play to Korachiba. And uh, I am glad that they will be staying up. And uh, Corinthians solidly in a Libertadores spot. Uh, They've only lost one out of their last five. Um, some draws and some wins in there, but uh, they look to be finishing uh, in a Copa Libertadores group stage spot, um, which I think they would have been happy with maybe, you know, just just a few weeks back. But yeah, I think you're right. I think they expect much better things. I kept saying that, you know, I thought they were going to be a contender this year. I think a lot of their fan base did too. And yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if uh, Vito Pereira is on his way out. <clears throat> uh, but, uh, but for now he stays and uh, we'll see what, um, what the, the board elects to do with him. Uh, moving on to Juventuji and Flamengo. Um, another case of a rotated side. Um, and a less than stellar result, uh, Juventuji 2, Flamengo 2. Um, tons of good players on the pitch, though. Um, Enric, it's pretty impressive that the Flamengo side can rotate like this. Um, who are some of your players? Who, who are some of your favorite players uh, in this second rotated side? Well, I think we, we both agree that my favorite player is Everton. And yeah. he's been playing really good for them whenever he was given a chance as a substitute during previous months. And he proved to do the same thing in this match with 
assisting a goal to Matteozinho, uh, the player who's been substituting Regine. And that goal in the first minute really uh, would have made you think that Flamengo would definitely win this match, but it didn't happen to be so. Juventuji was able to score two in the first half. And the equalizer for Flamengo didn't come until the 91st minute when Werton was able to score and give Flamengo a point, a much-needed point, not for the league, but to improve the players' uh, motivation and keep them playing because these are chances that these players need to show potential to the coach for next seasons and hopefully be in the starting lineup. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they definitely showed uh, not only, you know, their, their skill and talent to, to get that equalizer, but the grit. Um, and Juventuji, of course, they are relegated. Uh, they are uh, in the last place and they're not even a close last place. They're 10 points adrift of Avaii in 19th. Uh, dismal, dismal, dismal season, only three wins. Uh, but this will probably feel like a win um, you know, against the champions of the Americas, um, getting a draw. So, so good on them. And, and, and they could have actually won it. They hit a bar at one point um, when they were up to one and that could have sealed the game. Uh, but it wasn't to be. And yeah, Werton getting that 90th minute goal. Um, and I've got to, I've got to shout him out here because I am the chief minister of Ayrton uh Ayrton Lucas propaganda he gets the assist on that goal I believe or he, he fed the uh he fed the pass into Werton who who turned the defender and was able to score so uh great to see him uh racking up some more assists and Werton uh coming in and getting the goal and hopefully he's he's shown enough to impress Dorval Jr um uh Flamengo down in fifth place after that result um of course, they're not too concerned about that. They are in Libertadores next year, uh, not to worry really where they finish. Um, and I think they just want to get these young kids uh, as many reps as they can. Um, so speaking of young kids, we got to see and um, Enrique, uh, not Enric, of course. I made that mistake on Twitter. <laughs> Enric is fast with the screenshot. Um, but uh, but no, it's Enrique, Enric, uh, the striker for Palmeiras. Who, uh, who get the win despite Hendrik not scoring. 2-1 uh, over America Monero. It was their uh, trophy-raising um, uh, match. Um, and it was a festive environment despite Benitez getting uh, the go-ahead goal nice and early for America. Um, and Gustavo Scarpa. Uh, scoring in his farewell match. Enric, what do you think about Scarpa? Do you think he's going to be a success in uh, in England? Well, he's a little bit, not old, but older than what uh, other Brazilian players play in Europe at this time. So very, I'm very happy for him to score this goal for Palmeiras and also his transfer to Nottingham Forest. Hopefully we get to see more of that Brazilian talent in him uh, in Premier League. And hopefully he helps them because they're currently struggling, I believe, in 20th place. And hopefully they'll avoid that relegation for EPL next season. Yeah, that'd be great to see. Uh, he's definitely a player with a lot of, uh, of quality. So um, I think he'll help them out. And I was reading on the, some of the, uh, the Forest 
uh, fan blogs um, that uh, that they're excited to have him, which is great. And yeah, he he stepped up and he scored the penalty right in front of the big stage where they were bound to have the um, the trophy presentation after the match. Um, so awesome to see. And then of course he gets he gets substituted off and he gets his grand walk off. Um, and it was it was it was awesome to see. Um, Gabriel Menino, a player that uh, I think was on a lot more people's radar um, uh, maybe a year ago or two years ago, um, looking good in fine form, swung in an excellent cross, and he finds the defender Murillo, who scores. Again, Paul Maris' center backs, all the, I mean, they could be strikers on just about any other team. Um, I think the announcer said it was Murillo's uh, 11th goal of the season across all competitions, uh, which is just awesome. And of course, Gustavo Gomez, his counterpart, um, you know, is 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 probably in the top 10 or 15 of, of Brasilia Rao scorers. So really, really incredible uh, scoring pair of center backs there. We've talked about them before, so we don't need to harp on that. But uh, don't don't be confused at that uh, at how special that is. Um, so Paul Maris getting the win, and of course the great trophy celebration afterwards. Awesome to see young Andriki uh, picking up the trophy and and all the 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 porcos getting their chance with the with the trophy. So good for them. Um, and uh, there's going to be a lot of success i think in the future for the verdal um moving on to atletico minero and their win over cuiaba um cuiaba desperate to avoid relegation here against one of the most powerful teams but it doesn't happen gallo get the win and a convincing win right yes and this time they had no way to lose this match or even tie because playing at home once again they needed to take any chance that they could and potentially convert it to a goal-scoring opportunity. And they did so in the very early stages with Kino scoring in the fourth minute and giving Atletico the lead. And he was the, actually the player who scored the second goal uh, after uh, Eduardo Vargas' assist. And right after that, it was Vargas who was able to score. So these two players really played well in this match and hopefully we get to see them play even better, not only for next week, but in the next season for Gallos. Yeah, Vargas, uh, excuse me, Vargas coming back into some good form. And Kino, uh, despite the first goal that that was one of the ugliest goals I've ever seen, just a bouncing ball, bouncing off shins, knees, all over. And it finally trickles into the net, I think, just off the, uh, under the toe of, uh, of his boot. Um but on the second goal of Vargas and Kino, uh, a much more clean goal to make it two nothing, uh, and then uh, Kino returns the favor, um, where when his uh, hat trick uh, bid uh, of a shot is deflected and it finds its way to Vargas, making it three nil uh, to uh, the Gallos, and uh, because of that loss, Guiaba, um they're going to be a little bit nervous when it comes down to the final match week. It's a bit of a long shot, but it's not crazy. Uh, but Atletico going in say are still within striking distance of maintaining a spot in Syria, uh, thanks to this loss. Um, so 
if anything, this match at least sets up uh, a really interesting and really intriguing um, match week 38. That 16th spot in the table is still up for grabs. And again, Cuiaba looking to hold off uh, Atletico going in today, um, and, uh, and and stay up. So um, they lose, but they'll have another chance next week. Um, Botafogo beating up on Santos 3-0. Uh, Enric, I know uh, we both watched this match live. Um, what did you think? Uh, uh, what did you think of the match? And uh, what do you think of Botafogo more specifically? Because they look really impressive now to me. Yeah, prior to this match, I really believed that although Botafogo was able to score two against Atletico Mineiro last week, we could at least take in one point in this match. And they scored early in the 10th minute with Lucas Fernandes. And right, right, right after when that second half started, I was really optimistic uh, with Santos and hope that they could find an equalizer. But no, it was Lucas Fernandez once again who gave Botafogo the 2-0 uh, lead. And at that moment, I just knew that it was over for us because there was no way how we would come back from a 2-0 defeat. And then it was Chiquinho Suarez who found the third goal for Botafogo. And what a way to end it in their home stadium. A back-to-back -back win last week. As I mentioned earlier, they beat Atletico Mineiro and now Santos. So they're playing really good this season and they can Libertadores spot. Yeah, they're they're uh, they're definitely on the hunt and um they are closing in and it's really remarkable their rise up the up the table. It wasn't too long ago that they were languishing down below um you know twelfth, thirteenth place and now they're all the way up to eighth and they're still very much alive looking for that Libertadores, uh, that Libertadores spot. Uh, we talked about him earlier, but uh, Lucas Fernandez, great, great game from him. Uh, scoring the goal, uh, or excuse me, scoring the first two goals. Um, and, uh, and especially that first one, absolutely uh, great, great goal. Uh, also wanted to bring up, wanted to get your thoughts on um, the handball. Um, that I think was pretty obvious uh, that VAR took a look at and was ruled not to be a handball. Um, you know, it's, again, it's the consistency. If this was called this way all the time, I wouldn't have a problem. Um, but uh, unfortunately, it, it isn't. Um, did you think it's fair that, that that handball was overlooked? Yeah, I think... It's another scenario of who is in that VAR room whenever, if there, if, if there is a referee who is going to think, okay, this is what the rule is and we're going to go with it, it would have been fine. But once again, we saw a decision being made by the other referee. So in my opinion, they should either always let the main ref decide or always let the referee in the room decide. So it's very surprising how that wasn't a handball and no decision was made from the VAR system. Once again, a, a chance that could have been a penalty for Santos and changed the game a lot if we would have scored one goal in this game. Yeah, yeah. I think at that point it was just 1-0. So easily could have changed the game. And uh, it's just it's, it's just unfortunate. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things. Santos... 
Not looking very good. A lot of holes in defense. Uh, Luan playing in, in midfield isn't really working. I think he's going to be shipped back to Corinthians. We're not going to buy him outright. And uh, well, I don't know what Corinthians are going to do with him. Um, I think he needs uh, he needs a new challenge and a new project. And uh, I'm sure he'll find a place in a team in Brazil or maybe even abroad. Um, and cause I think he's still got some skill level. I scored, uh, you know, at least one important goal for us. So, um, you know, I'm glad we, we took the roll of the dice, but he's, he just isn't working. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, Santos were, um, we'll, we'll close out the season, uh, in, uh, this weekend. Um, they confirm, uh, Copa Sudamericana qualification, uh, after, um, after match week uh, 37. So um, not a ton to play for. And uh, hopefully some of the Meninas da Vila will get um, get a lot of uh, chances in, in that final game. So that's going to be the last uh, match we cover uh, for uh, match week 37. And um, we'll just have a quick look at the table. Like we said, Cuiaba uh, and Atletico Guinense are sparring uh, for um, that 16th place uh, to avoid relegation. Um, Enric, uh, I think there's like a six goal goal differential that could come into play um, because I think they're even on head to head um, prediction on uh, who stays up and who goes down. Well, it's going to be very difficult for Atletico Goianiense to stay in the league because not only they're three points away and games uh, being played with each other ending up at 1-1 in both occasions, but with that goal difference that you mentioned, six, they would need, uh, not only Atletico Goianiense would need to score three, win 3-0, three let's say, or 4-1 against America Mineiro away, but also they would need Cuiaba to lose a game at home against Coritiba. So very unlikely to happen. I think at the end, Cuiaba is going to stay in Syria and Atletico Goianiense, unfortunately, with their recent performances, how good they have been and come across against big teams like Palmeiras and Fluminense. Uh, seeing them going down is very bad news for Brazilian football, I think. Yeah, really unfortunate, and they had that great run in the Copa Sudamericana. So, um, I tend to agree with you. I don't think, I don't think they're going to quite make it. And yeah, it's just it's 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 unfortunate. But uh, I I hope the the Dragons will be back up, back up soon. Um, more towards the t- uh, or the Libertadores end of the table. Um, Atletico Paranaense on fifty five points. Atletico Mineiro on fifty five points. Botafogo on 53. Um, they're challenging for that sixth and seventh spots. Um, if you had to pick two of those teams, uh, who do you think are are going to make it the Liberta, uh, excuse me, Libertadores Cup? Well, I think Atletico Paranaense is for sure going to stay there. And then when it comes to Atletico Mineiro, maybe they're going to surprise and they're going to lose again. I believe they are going to play Corinthians away. So it's very, going to be very tough for them to win this match. And Corinthians is going to do anything possible to remove Atletico Mineiro from the Libertadores zone. So I would expect 
Not a team like Sao Paulo. It's very tough for them. But the teams that have 52 or 53 points, like Botafogo, Fortaleza, and America, mm-hmm. to jump in and play in the lib next season. So if I had to pick one, quick prediction, it would be Botafogo because of their recent performances. Yep. And Botafogo play Atletico Paranaense, so they'll have a direct uh, chance to, um, uh, to you know, um, uh, to take points off one of their their rivals that they're competing for one of those spots with. Yeah, it's going to be a tough match for Atletico Paranaense, who play uh, Corinthians. Um, all matches except for the Flamengo match will be played on Sunday, all kicking off at 2 o'clock. Um, and uh, and there are some, actually some pretty tasty matches that's, that it's unfortunate that they are the last match week of the year um, but uh, we've got to mention uh, Red Bull Bragantino against Fluminense, uh, Santos and Fortaleza, which is an interesting one. And then, of course, now at the end of the season, we get one versus two Internacional facing off against Palmeiras. Um, and then, of course, like we said, Atletico Paranaense versus Botafogo. Um, so still some just one last weekend of uh, Brasil Rao action. And, uh, and then we're done. Um, and we can we can put a bow on the season. I think it's been it's been a great one. Uh, but no need to fear because though the uh, Brazilian Syria is um, taking a hiatus and we'll be back next year, Smoking Snake is not. We're working hard and we'll be back next week to wrap up the season and talk about the all important Selecao, the World Cup. Um, and we'll continue to release episodes throughout the uh, Brazil's journey in the World Cup in Qatar. Um, but until next week, uh, we will sign off and we'll, uh, we'll see you then. Thanks for listening and have a great night.